My plane almost crashed Thursday night. That was not good. Uh, pilot lost control temporarily. And uh, I know, I don't know, uh, you know, all things about plane, but I know you don't land one nose down. <laughs> so uh, he was nose down, about to touch down. And then we went sideways. And then he hit the gas and just went to Dallas. And after being two days on a plane, I wanted to kill him <laughs> and just tell God that he died. But anyway, you know, it's good to be here alive. It's good to be living. In, hallelujah. It's great to be living in Bossier City where all the really holy, righteous people are. Oh, watch it. But the greatest thing is I'm home. Hallelujah. I'm home. Deb and I, we had to go back to Magnolia, Arkansas, a town with, you know, it's a one-horse town. The horse hadn't got but three legs. We were riding through Main Street. Neither one of us was saying anything. We got right in the middle of Main Street, and I said, not even a little bit. <laughs> you know, when you've been married a long time, you don't have to finish your sentences, you know. You don't even have to speak in complete sentences. I just said, not even a little bit. She said, me neither. We're here! Glory to God! Don and Kathy just came over. You know, Don is absolute proof that you can be hyperactive and ADD and God can use you. They painted everything. They painted everything. They were such a blessing. They served with such a blessing. Amen. Stand up. And I want to thank the Lord for you right now. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, how about that Tanzanian traffic? Amen. You're closer to God now? I believe you are. Amen. All right. How many want to hear a good Cajun joke? It's my favorite Cajun joke in the whole world. I tell it everywhere I go. If you know the punchline, don't say it. Amen. And I like to tell jokes before I preach just to make the religious people mad. Or get them upset. But so here's my favorite Cajun joke. It's about Thibodeau, Fontenot, and Boudreaux. Thibodeau, he's always trying to get his friends to think about the Lord. So he come up with this question. He says, say now, when you laid out cold, dead in that casket, them people gather around you. Fontenot, Boudreaux, what you want them to say about you? Fontenot, he don't know. He's not too bright. He said, I don't know, Thibodeau, what you want them to say about you? He said, I want him to say Thibodeau was a man of God. He lived for God all his days. What do you say now, Fontenot? Fontenot get an idea. He said, hey, I think I want him to say, Fontenot, he a good family man. He never run around around on his wife. All his kids know how to fish and hunt. <laughs> Boudreaux's singing. He said, all right, Boudreaux, what you want him to say about you? He said, I'm laid out in a casket. Mm-hmm. They all stand around me looking down on me. Mm-hmm. What you want him to say? He said, I think I want him to say something like, hey, he's moving. <laughs> that all right? It's okay? Amen. Turn with me to Acts 26. So good to have my wife with me. Glory to God. My daughter, I tell you, if I, get, if I just break out in tears today, y'all don't think anything about it. It's a special day because my daughter 
She made money today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And if you need a haircut, please go to Saturday's own airline and see my darling daughter, Abby, and tip her real big. Acts 26. Let's look in. Praise the Lord. You know the story about Paul on the road to Damascus? And it says uh, he saw a light from heaven in verse 13. He's given testimony. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Other translations say it's hard for you to keep going against your conscience. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I want you to look specifically tonight at verse 17. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom now I send you. So I want to talk to you tonight about being delivered from people. There are people that believe that God has something special for them. And why not? I believe that's true about every person that's born again. Somebody said God never said, "Uh uh-oh. Maybe when you were born, your parents said, "Uh uh-oh. I'm telling you, God never said, "Uh uh-oh. God's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. We know that. And yet, I know that there's a lot of people that feel like they're never getting to that thing. Whatever that thing is, they just got this burning desire. They feel like they've got a call. They feel like they've got an anointing. They've got a gifting. And yet, for some reason, that thing, whatever that is, is being held back. Let me just share with you, I believe, you know, after being in ministry a a little while and studying people, you can get to see what are the main things that hang people up. Praise the Lord. Hadn't been in ministry as long as some. Started in 1981, full-time ministry. And you just watch people over time. And, and you know yourself, and you start to pick up on what, why, why do these people, or, or some of us sometimes, we never seem to get to that thing. And we get frustrated. And I want to help you tonight. I believe that we have never lived in a more, in fact, we, this is obvious to everybody, technologically, we have never been more advanced, but I don't know that we're not as people dumb as we have ever been. We can, put, we can split an atom, put a man on the moon. We can figure out all kind of things about computers and science and nature and life and medicine and all kind of things. And yet, I don't know if we're getting along any better. The statistics prove 
maybe not. And the one that really hurts my feelings the most is the divorce rate in the church. Being as high as in the world. Now, I want to argue with those people because I don't think his church is like this. I just don't think Gallup's got all of us included in that. I will say that probably among nominal Christians who don't have God's spirit and they're just casual church growers, I can see why that the divorce rate. But at the same time, if you say you're born again, we ought to be doing better. Not here to condemn anybody. Dear God in heaven, not here to condemn anybody. If you've been divorced, you can't unscramble eggs, baby. Just pick up where you are and know that God can bless you. Now, why is it so difficult? Why? Uh, You can write this down if you're taking notes. And I I just want to refer to a few things for the sake of time. Remember in Matthew 16, where Jesus addresses the disciples and he says, Who do men say that I am? Or who spoke up? Peter spoke up. Did he get it right? He got it right. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Peter, you did good. Right? Next few scriptures. Peter does bad. Jesus said, Son of man's going to be delivered up, suffered. Be delivered in the hands of men, suffer. He's going to be killed. Peter yanks him aside and says, uh-uh. Don't be talking like that. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. What is he saying? Peter, you just yielded to the wrong thing. And the reason people can be so frustrating is because one second they can yield to God and the next second, not you, just people we know. The next second they can yield to the devil. And really... (laughs) When uh, When I took my church... I hired a country girl to be my secretary because I knew country folk. They just got some goods in them. They do, you know, just country people. Three months after I hired her, I walked by her office, and she was sitting like this, and tears were streaming down her face. And I, I started to say what was wrong, but right when I said it, the Holy Spirit gave me a word of knowledge, and I knew instantly. And I said to her, finding out about people, aren't you? She went. Somebody said this job would be easy if it weren't for people. Now what I want to show you is this. That most of the time, people can be called, people can be anointed, and yet they're tripped up by people. Look what God said to Paul. The pattern is, God will deliver you from them and then send you to them. You got to be delivered from them or you're not fit to minister to them. And what he means by delivered, of course we know that he meant I'm going to deliver you physically because these people are going to try to kill you. In fact, they did try to kill Paul. And Paul had to have that assurance that no matter where he went or no matter what people did, God was going to be there to deliver him. Now, 
I don't know why God's idea of deliverance is go ahead and let you get hit in the head by the rock. You get knocked down and he raises you up. And then he says, I delivered you. I don't, you know, sometimes I want to argue with the Lord about his definition of words. But you've got to understand what a marvelous thing it is for, for people to stone you, leave you for dead. They gather around. History says they gathered around him, prayed for him. And when he got back up, he went right back into the city where they stoned him. Don't you know that was a sight? Don't you know that was a sight? I mean, big old knots on his head and blood, big old, you know. And Paul comes back wandering in, you know, and he goes, my final point. Before I was so rudely interrupted by your stoning, I just want to finish my sermon. You know, you got to hand it to a guy that goes right back into the city where they just stone you and finish preaching. You got to be delivered from people in order to respond that way. And what I found out is a lot of people are called and anointed, but they just can't get past people. I think we need to return to a biblical standard of what is spiritual. I think that's what one of the things that needs to happen. Turn over when you know where I'm headed. 1 Corinthians 13. Probably some of the most amazing scripture. Some of the, some of the hardest scripture in the whole Bible to understand is in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. I believe in visions. I believe in angels. I believe in dreams. I believe in spiritual experiences. In fact, right now, I've written a series of short stories, not just stories, but events that have happened in my life that are supernatural that I'm recording to pass down to my children and my, great, my grandchildren. I want them to know how the hand of the Lord has moved in my life. God has done so many super, supernatural things. I don't talk about it that much from the pulpit because people that try to sound super spiritual get on my nerves. They just do. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Speak with the tongues of men and of angels. But have not love. I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In other words, God's nice way of saying, You just a bunch of noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, how I many you know that is a spiritual hot rod? Come on, somebody, come on. Wouldn't you say a guy that understands all mysteries and has all knowledge and has all faith and can move, you would think, man, what a newsletter. I mean, the title of the newsletter could be, I am it. Right? But the minute you think you are, you're not. But what God says is, though you have every bit of this thing, if you don't have love, it profits you nothing. So I want to I wanna say to you, getting along with people is infinitely more spiritual than what we give it credit for. We hear the guy that prophesies and we think, oh man, that guy, I bet, I bet he's just, flo I bet he's talking to angels every morning. Listen to me. 
Most of the time when God says, says stuff to me, it's stuff like this. Shut up. Stop. Don't. Or it's just something like, uh. right? I admire people that have these long conversations with God and see angels and, and have visions and dreams. I'm just telling you this. I think sometimes we exalt that in the body of Christ and we don't see that, hey, maybe you haven't seen angels or, 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 or visions or dreams, but you got to understand that if you were nice today, God is pleased. If you were nice when you had an opportunity to be ugly, you are spiritually mature. There's a, we need to give it the credit it deserves. It takes a lot more to, listen, I can talk to an angel all day. Come on now. There ain't nothing hard about that. It's you that gets on my last nerve. Isn't that right? Angel ain't going to pick his nose or burp or scratch or do nothing like that. Isn't that right? Angel's going to be cool. He's an angel. He's from God. He's going to say, oh, the dust says, whatever he says. It's going to be cool. It's going to be you. Am I right? Here's something that I, uh, that I want to show you that a lot of people don't believe, but it's, it's in the Bible. So let's, let's hit the Word of God real quick. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. These are simple things that you know, but you know, we need to be reminded of them. 1 John chapter 4. Your horizontal relationships can mess up your vertical. And that's what people don't believe. They think, they, that they think as long as they're cool with God, it doesn't matter what they are with you. But let me tell you, one can foul up the other. I'm telling you from the Word of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now... No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. Get this. Horizontal first, vertical second. That's what we don't get in the body of Christ. We think, oh, me and Jesus. I heard a guy going down the road the other day, a guy on country station. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. I thought, wow, what a cool country song. I tuned in, you know, I was like, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Then I realized the guy's talking about sleeping around and getting drunk and all this junk. But him and Jesus, you not had you see what I'm saying? The spirit in America is, it don't matter what you and I think. I can go around abusing women and getting drunk. But me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Well, Pop, your thing with people is going to mess up your thing with God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified. Let's go down to verse. Let's go, to, go down to verse. Uh, verse 20. Look at this. If someone says, 
I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. You know what it means in the Greek? It means he's a liar. Okay. <laughs> For he, <laughs> he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? I know people that claim to be spiritual. They claim to love God. And yet they treat people like dirt. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, I've never been one to patty cake with words. You're a liar. Yeah, and the thing is, the worst thing is, is when you lie to yourself. Because that's hard to overcome. And all of us have blind spots. All of us have areas where we don't see. And we need people around us to help us and love us. Thank God for Pastor Carr and Becky Carr. They've saved my neck so many times. Them and my wife and the Holy Spirit. Thank God for them. Because sometimes you just don't see yourself. And you need help. And we all need help. But let me just tell you this. That most of the time when people are hung up. In the, in, in the plan of God for their life. And they don't feel like they're progressing. Can I just in love suggest this to you. That this is the first thing that you need to examine. Very carefully and very closely. Is your people skills. Moses had a call from God. Moses had an anointing. Moses had ability. And what does he do? He jumps out and kills a person. He spends the next 40 years on the backside of the desert. You know what people, people always say? They, they, to me, in a way, they kind of cop out. They say, well, it wasn't the Lord's timing. Let me tell you something. He spent 40 years in the desert because it took 40 years for him to get his act together. It's amazing how God's season opens up in your life when you get your act together. People say, well, it wasn't God's sovereign time. It's amazing when you make some adjustments in your life about your attitude about people, that doors begin to open for ministry. It's not all about the anointing. It's not all about the call of God on your life. It's not all about the ability. It's about the people that He's called you to touch. And this is, listen to me, this hangs up really spiritual people. I'm not talking about just carnal people who are self-deceived. This type of thing hangs up really, really spiritual people. Barnabas in the Bible was a very spiritual man, used by God mightily. In Acts chapter 13, they were praying and ministering to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So Saul and Barnabas are anointed, they are called, and they are sent out by the Holy Spirit. But while they were out on the mission field, they had such a disagreement that they parted ways. And here's the deal. You never hear from Barnabas again in Scripture. Study the Scripture. You never hear his name mentioned again. When he broke covenant, with the person that God had joined him to. He said, well, I'm called, I'm anointed. I know. But the place of your connection is the place that allows your gift to be released. 
What is that connection? Your relationships in the body of Christ. If the relationships are bad, your connections are bad. I love this church. I love that every time we sit down, they come up and say, this is your point of connection. And I wonder because I think, you know, everybody checks out. They don't listen. I think, hey, wait a minute. Stop and think about this. We're not just talking about ministry. We're talking about your connection to people where you can give what God has put in your heart in this church. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Please understand that there is a spirit in society that is prevailing itself in the church. That spirit sounds something like this. I'm not going to get involved. I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, for lack of a better word, let me just just shoot straight. I'm going to become a spiritual leech. I'm going to suck the blood and get what I need from God and then I'm going to leave. Now, I understand it because people get burned. They get burned by people. And they don't want to risk being hurt anymore. But let me tell you something. If you're going to love the way you're supposed to be loved, you're going to be hurt. My second year pastoring, there's no point going into details because I've already forgot the details. But I do remember something about it. I had two people that I had poured my life into hurt me really bad. They were very ugly. In fact, they got together and pooled their ugliness. You know, some people when they die, they're not going to go like other people. They're just going nasty away. (laughs) And I was so crushed. I, I, I just could not believe that godly people could be this mean and I remember going to the Lord I'll tell you I remember like it's yesterday I went to the Lord and I said and I was just I was crushed and I said I want to know you you can already hear it can you I want to know if it's always going to be like this I want to know because I'm telling you I didn't sign up for this And you know what? I had no more got the words out of my mouth than God spoke to me and said, absolutely. If you love the way you're supposed to love, this will happen. This is ministry. This is what happens. But I promise you, I will heal you every time. Every time. You know, a a bruise is when you bleed on the inside. That's what a bruise is. It's inward bleeding. And a lot of people in in church and in ministry, they've come to that place where, you know, it's self-preservation. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get what I need for me. I am not going to get connected to anybody. I'm not going to risk any relationship. I'm not going to risk anything. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to do ministry. I'm just going to go suck the life out of that thing and leave. And let me tell you something, folks, whether you know it or not, that spirit is in America. People have that attitude about their companies. They have their attitude about their school, their job. I'm just going to get what I can get for me. 
And I'm not going to risk any involvement or any type of, of, of relationship where I could be hurt. The problem is you're not living. That's not living. We were put here. And see, I, the reason I share this is because I know me. And listen, without God, you'd be looking at Jeremiah Johnson. If some of you know who that is, then I don't need to explain that. I'd be a mountain man on the side of a mountain somewhere with my dog and my shotgun and a sign that says, if you come through my gate, I will kill you dead. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have kids. I would have a dog if he behaved. <laughs> my wife and I, we used to go to the Woodland Hills Mall in Tulsa and people watched because we didn't have no money. So we just sat up there on the third floor and watched people. One time I was up there and we were, we were watching and this big guy came through. He was about 6'5", looked like he was about 270, 280. Had a big white t-shirt down to his knees and it had big black letters on the front that said, leave me alone. <laughs> now I told my wife, I said, I know if I got to know him, I'd like him. <laughs> leave me alone. Where does strife come from? Let me tell you where strife comes from. Strife comes from the idea that people can take something from you. Strife comes from the idea of you believing that your life is somehow in the hands of people. That's the root of it. When you get your heart right before the Lord and you get your life where it's supposed to be in God, then you know that your life is not in the hands of man, it's in the hands of God. Amen. Psalms 31, 15, 14 and 15, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemy. David said, my times are in your hands. My life is in the hands. Listen, I've been around people. You get close to their bone, they'll growl at you like a dog. You ever been around people like that? You know, you get a, you get a big hound dog, get him a bone. He's a nice guy. But if he's got his bone, you get close to him, he'll let you know. You get close. Closer you get, the louder. I think you just like people. What are you afraid of? You're afraid I'm going to take your bone. And you won't have no bone. And people are like that. They're afraid. But listen to me. When your life is in God's hands, you know that there's nothing people can take from you that God can't give you back double. And you get to where you just laugh and say, go ahead, take it. If you can live with it, I can live without it. You get to where it doesn't matter what people say about you because you know what God has said about you. Mark 11, whosoever shall say into this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast of sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he saith. Notice, the only important thing is if you believe what you're saying. 
You're not going to have what they say unless you believe what they say. You're going to have what you say. I remember when George Foreman came out of retirement to go back into boxing. This reporter was trying to rattle his cage. and he, I, I love George Foreman. His attitude's always got this big smile. You know, he's a big guy. You know, he really, I mean, you're that big and that strong. What have you got to be scared of? That's kind of the way George is. You know, he just walks around like this. And the guy said, George, they're calling you a bum. They're calling you a has-been. You're too old. What do you say? He said, I don't care why people call me as long as they don't call me late for dinner. You know why we get messed up with people? Because we have unmet, unrealistic expectations. Naaman was a great man. He was a great soldier. He was a great captain. But he goes to the prophet with his leprosy to be healed. And the prophet doesn't even come out, but sends a word and says, go jump in the river. And Naaman is angry. He's very angry because what? I thought that the man of God would come out and do this and, and, and strike his hands over me and clamp. I thought, what is he saying? I had this expectation of this person to do something for me this way and they didn't do it and now I'm mad. But listen to me. Sometimes we, you know, I see things in simple because I'm simple, so I see things in simple. When I read that story, what I hear the Holy Spirit is saying, be careful, because your disappointment over other people could cause you to lose your healing. You can get so disappointed over who let you down and didn't do what they were supposed to do. But listen to me, when you know that God is your source, you don't stay disappointed with people. The problem is when you start looking to people as your source. Can I get a better amen? amen. Oh, all right. I'm going to play a little game here before we close. Glenn, I want you to be God. Come up here, God. Don. Don. Come up here. Don, you're the devil. Now, what's this? What's this? What's this? Zach, come up here. You're a demon. All right? Now, you know, we know this isn't true, but let's just say this is, this is the way it is. Now, what does the Scripture say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Come on, keep quoting it. Come on, y'all. He makes me to lie down in green pasture, leading me beside still waters. Leads me in the more than one paths. All right. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm following God. I'm in the path of God. That means God is ahead of me. Now, here comes Satan, Don, in the form of poverty, in the form of sickness, in the form of a, and then here's Zach, little demon. Here's my demon-possessed boss, who every Monday thinks he's going to make my life miserable. But wait a minute. I'm walking in the path of God. I'm at that job by the will of God. I'm in that school by the will of God. 
wait a minute, I'm in the path of God and they are in my way. Here's the deal. When you walk in love and you keep your heart right, here's the deal. He is not technically, realistically, he's not my problem. I'm only following God. I'm not leading God. I'm not calling the shots. I am following the path he has laid out for me. So now when I'm in the path of God and I meet obstacles, hey, it ain't my problem. They have become enemies of God. Now, how do you know that's true? How do you know that's true? The scripture we read where Paul gets knocked off his donkey or whatever. And he says, who are you, Lord? As if he didn't know. And and Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Wait a minute. He was on the road to kill Christians. But Jesus said, it's become personal. You're messing with me. Because they're following me and you are in the way. Come here, Sia. Come here, Sia. Come here, come here. Come here, Sia. Come here, Sia. Come here now. I'm walking. You're on right hip, left hip. Right hip, left hip. I'm in the path of God. I'm walking. Now, every time I stop, goodness and mercy are bumping into me. So I have been with people who let me know I am going to stop you or I am going to cause you a headache. Or I, and, you know, more and more these days I just go, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, but I wouldn't want to be you. <laughs> I'm not going to touch you. But I wouldn't want to be you. I'm following God. And here's the deal. When people are ugly like that to you and they're mean and they they do things to stop you. If you got your focus on God, you might be surprised at how God can turn the whole thing around and you end up ministering to that person. And listen, and if not, you need to know. Years ago, pastor, I come up and pastor was on the front row and I came and sat beside him and I said, how's it going? And he said, the airport's trying to take our land. Remember that? He said, the airport's trying to take our land. I leaned over and I said, pastor, Haman will hang on his own gallows. So, you know, I see some people building stuff for me, and I think, (laughs) how much you weigh? (laughs) You might need to check the specs on that thing. 
seeing as how if you don't stop, you're going to be wearing it. And it's not going to be by me, and it's not because I want it that way. It's because I'm not going to get in the ditch with you and get ugly with you. And be, I'm going to walk in the ways of God. I'm going to walk in the paths of God. Now, here's the deal. When you get burned, the product is fear. And fear causes you to set down spiritually. Fear causes you not to be connected. Fear causes you to come to a church like this. And because it's so big, you can be a spiritual leech. But it don't mean you need to be. Now, when you get hurt, I understand that God can have an ICU season where you're on life support. And that's okay for a while. But you need to know after a while, God can heal you. And it doesn't take that long. Can you say amen? amen? God has a plan for every person here. And I'm just speaking to a few people, maybe not that many people, but I'm speaking to a few people tonight that you have been sidelined by people. And God is saying by His Spirit, it's time to reconnect. It's time to get back in the game. And maybe it's time to examine like, my, like the Lord had to do in my life because my people skills were so bad that the Holy Spirit had to say, you, you really got to change. And I'm trying. I'm trying. Don and Kathy were in Arusha. I'm telling you, every day you drive in Arusha, You better be full of the Holy Ghost. Because every day somebody's going to do something dumb that can almost take your life. Am I telling the truth? And you know what? I went to town one day and I'm learning enough Swahili now I can, I can fuss at people. <laughs> and I told about six people that day how stupid they were. And I got home and you know what? I'd lost my peace. I lost all my peace, lost my joy. I said, Lord, listen, listen what the Lord said to me. I said, Lord, where'd you go? I don't feel, you know, if you're walking with God, you should know when the fellowship has been broken. And when you're in tune with God, you can feel that fellowship's been broken. I went home and I, and I, and I said, something's not right. I said, Lord, you know, and I checked my heart, you know, I, I hadn't done anything, you know. I've been trying to live right, and, and I don't know that I've rebelled against God or disobeyed God. And I said to the Lord, Lord, where, where'd you go? And he said, I went on Main Street when you screamed at those people. I said, you broke fellowship with me because of that? He said, exactly. I said, God, I, forgive me. Please forgive me. That peace came back. Listen to me. Your fellowship can be broken with God this way. It doesn't always have to be broken this way. When you break it with people, you need to know God will break it with you. It can be forgiven, thank God, amen. It can be restored. You say, well, how do you know? How can you tell? How do you know? Listen, 1 Peter chapter 3 says, be careful how you treat your wife. Dwell with her according to knowledge. Give honoring to her as the weaker vessel that your prayers be not hindered. 
God's saying, you keep messing up this way, you're not going to get anything this way. I want to encourage you to not be a spiritual leech at this church. You are at a great church. There's all kind of places for you to be connected. Get off the bench. Get in the game. Quit allowing a spirit of fear and a spirit of, of, of I don't want to be rejected anymore by people. Quit allowing that to dominate your life. Get back in the game. The Lord will bless you. And that anointing that you knew was there, it'll be released. That call that you knew was there, you'll see it fulfilled. Let's stand up.